Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. Our energy to do what he's called us to do, amen? Yes, it's good. But I want to say thank you for coming out. You guys were awesome. We showed out yesterday. We literally filled one whole side of the street. It was amazing. Um, it was such a joy. How many of you had fun? Just give me a shout. Yeah, wasn't that a good time? We did fellowship. We did food. We did cards. We chilled. Um, we had shared uh, at that particular gathering the shift in the unity based on some historical stuff. It was just beautiful. It was just beautiful. People would beep asking for prayer as they walked by at the MLK Pray event, and we were just um, honored to be there. You guys uh, really represented Christ well. I just want to say thank you again for coming out. Um, and, of course, those who could not make it, we love you and we miss you and we understand. Um, so as I was preparing, as usual, I'm asking Daddy what he wants to talk about. And some of you who were there yesterday heard some of this in the prayer that they asked me to pray at the beginning of that event, uh, the prayer portion of that event. But I was reading C.S. Lewis's book called The Great Divorce yesterday, and I, I couldn't get past the preface. <laughs> I couldn't get past the preface. He's talking about why he wrote the book and that he's not presuming to know everything or presuming to answer um, this other gentleman's book that he had written, and he says, quote, you cannot take all the luggage with you on all of the journeys, on some journeys, especially those for the kingdom, even your right hand and your right eye may be among the things you must leave behind. And as we were out there praying on MLK, um, Lyra kind of inspired me. You know, I was kind of in military mode. You guys know how I am sometimes, like, sha-da-da-da-da-da-da, doing my Lou Angle Bob. And uh, I'm looking at Lyra down there, and she was just so free. I could just, her arms were waving back and forth. And it was like every time her arm went forward and she was worshiping the Lord, I could see, like, she was blessing almost the cars that were going by the people. There was something she was releasing. The Lord said, shift. I said, sir, yes, sir. So I shifted, and I started to, hum a tune, a praise song uh, via Brent's recommendation. I was like, that's a good word. That's a good word, right? It was like the body. We were all activating each other. And I'm standing there. My arms are going like Lear was. I'm humming a tune like Brent suggested. And all of a sudden, I see this, I don't know, dirt almost being pushed aside. And this silhouette of Martin Luther King. And he has a black briefcase and a white briefcase in his hand. And I'm reminded of this. Quote, you cannot take all luggage with you. On all journeys, on some journeys, you must even leave behind your right hand and your right eye. They may be among the things that I call you to leave behind. And sometimes when God is calling us out of our culture into kingdom culture that can feel like we're losing our right eye or our right hand, the things that we've always known, whether it's our Irishness, our African-Americanness, our Jewishness, our millennialismness, <laughs> whatever that is. If it is not kingdom, it must stay behind. 
And it can feel painful because these are things that are fun. They're not necessarily sin, right? But they're not necessarily God's best. They're not necessarily helpful for what it is he's trying to accomplish in us and through us, right? And then there's this other C.S. Lewis quote that he gave me. We, uh, I think we're coming into a season and into an era where we, God is requiring an absolute willingness, especially of his leaders, to go anywhere he asks us to go and to do anything he asks us to do. Not because he didn't require that before, but I think because it's going to require an absolute surrender to be able to carry the glory that is necessary to see the people in the world and the depravity that they're in the midst of completely delivered, discipled, and set free. Amen. It says in the scriptures that the prophets and those that went before us longed to see our day. Imagine with me for a moment the great cloud of witnesses that literally sits around us right now, that they're watching from heaven's purview, and they longed to be in your shoes, to have the opportunity you have to be alive in this greatest hour, the hour just prior to Christ's return. What an honor we have. So pondering all that, Experiencing what we did yesterday, what a joy that was. C.S. Lewis has this quote. In such a fearful world, we need a fearless church. Can anybody say amen? Okay. A fearful world needs a fearless church. And so I started a, I, I like that picture. You can check out that picture. Okay, so this is a joke because my husband wanted me to go skydiving with him, and I teased him, and I said, you can push me out in my casket because that's not happening. Like, when I die, that can be a joke between me and you. Put a parachute on the casket, and you can shove it off and laugh. But that's the only way I'm jumping out of a plane with you willingly, right? And this morning, the Lord started to deal with me about that. Stephanie, what if I asked you to go? I was like, sha-da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> My flesh is freaking out this morning. I'm not kidding. What if I asked you to go? What if it was a matter of life and death, eternal life and death for someone else? I was like, I'd be going like cat claws out the side, holding on tight. But I would go, right? Is there anything that you're like, Lord, no, not that? And if there is, are you willing to ask him to change it? We're created and intended to be like these parachuting Individuals here just flying free, arms back, legs back, shooting toward our destination, our goal, knowing that we know that we know. While it feels like we're free falling, we ultimately are safe in the hands of Holy Spirit who dwells on the very inside of us. And at any time, the simple directive of his word, his rhema, we can pull that cord and he'll help us float right on down in safety. And it'll get us out of any situation. Amen. I love that image. There is no fear in love. And we know that God is love, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more in a minute. A fearful world needs a fearless church. What does that mean? So what does that mean? 
Love and fear cannot coexist. They cannot. It is impossible to be walking in love and feel fear in your heart. It is absolutely impossible. And I don't say this to condemn you, right? We all start there. Every son or daughter of God starts with a large measure of fear in our hearts. I'm afraid about what people think. I'm afraid I'm going to look ridiculous. I'm afraid I'll fail. I'm afraid I'm not going to fulfill my destiny. I'm afraid to speak, maybe. I'm afraid to tell people what I think. I'm afraid to lose this friendship. I'm afraid God won't provide. We all start there, right? But we need to know that love and fear cannot coexist. So one has got to go, right? One has got to go. At their very essence, they are exact opposites. They absolutely cannot coexist. Perfect love, the scripture tells us, casts fear out. So when love shows up, fear actually has to leave. Think about that just in the context of our current national situation. When love shows up, fear has to leave. People have been asking me what's going on in our city and why the riots haven't boiled over and why we haven't seen as much unrest and destruction. But I believe, I believe with all my heart, it's because Love Lansing is plastered all over. It's become the foundation of our community and who we are. And we're intentional in our relationships and in loving people. We went down to an event downtown. I can't remember who was with me at this time. But I remember specifically pulling up to a barricade of people. And the Lord said, roll down your window. I said, hey, man, what's going on? This guy's spinning his little thing. He's angry, trying to intimidate me. I was like, sha-da-da-da, I'm about to love you because fear's got to go. Give me the dirty eyeball. Another guy pulls up on his bike, glaring me down. <coughs> you know, like that big, those big white gorilla apes, right? The stripe on their back. They're going to show you who's boss, right? Daddy said, you roll down your window. You love those boys. I said, hey, what's going on? What are we doing today? They're like, well, what do I do with that, right? Like the intimidation isn't working. What do I do now? Oh, no, love has just been released into the atmosphere, and guess what? Fear has got to go. Come on. They shifted immediately. Immediately they shifted. The guy put his thing down. He was like, oh, hey, <laughs> what's going on? I'm like, what's going on with you? I said, so, like, what's happening, man? Well, this is what we're doing. This is who we are. This is why we're here. I was like, that's really cool, man. I'm like, we're praying for you down at the Capitol. That is awesome. He's like, yeah, yeah, I met so-and-so the other day from this church, and they prayed for me, too. That's really cool. Is he going to be down there? I said, yeah, man, he's going to be down there. That's so cool. I'll tell him you said hi, right? And I'm like, is there any way you could let us through, or do we just need to turn around, or what do we need to do? I'm going to love them. I'm going to honor them. Right? I'm not going to ram through, but no, I'm not going to lie. My flesh was like, Jesus. But I didn't. The Lord said, love them, right? I said, what do I need to do? Do I need to turn around? What are we doing here? Can you guys let me through or what? No, 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 man. We need you to turn around because we're making a statement. I said, no problem, darling. I said, you guys have a great day. We'll be praying for you. Four or five of those individuals ended up coming down to the capital that day and getting saved and baptized. Come on. Love never fails. Right? So the enemy comes in and he tries to intimidate and he tries to bring fear out of woundedness, out of hurt, right? Out of sincere longing for justice, true justice that is actually needed, but it's being meted out wrongly or improperly or not according to the kingdom. But love dispels the fear. It healed a heart and it ceased an opportunity that the enemy could have used to bring destruction and instead it brought life. Amen? Isn't that powerful? 
in context, that verse, perfect love casts out fear, says there is no fear in love. Okay? Perfect love drives fear out because fear has to do with what? Punishment. What does that tell us? That love is the opposite of that. Love has nothing to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We know that. Love has to do with edification. Love has to do with building up, with restoring, with renewing, and with regenerating us and others around us. Love actually literally drives fear out. Come on, somebody. I'm getting excited now. I'm getting excited. This is good news. This is good news because we have a fearful world all around us, and you have the love of God shed a bread in your hearts. You're a carrier of God who is love. So everywhere you go, the very thing to cause fear to run dwells within you. You're a fear crusher. Come on, somebody. Fear is an indication that God is calling us into a higher level of experiencing his love, okay? So turn your neighbor, say, there is no condemnation. Say, I've been there. I've been there. Amen? We've all been there, right? We've all been there, and it's okay. So we don't have to feel bad if we feel afraid. It just means we're in process. I'm in process. You're in process. We're all in process. And we're at different places in the process, and that's okay. That's what it looks like to be built up into all the fullness of Christ Jesus until we come to fullness of maturity. Okay? There's nothing wrong with that. Fear is an indication God is calling us into a higher level of experience in his love. And from that place of experience in his love, personally, it comes to us first, then through us. It cannot come through you until it comes to you. Okay? We cannot, we, we, we say this all the time, you cannot give what you have not received for yourself. So if you're struggling with fear, the best way to get out of fear is to get with Jesus or get with God alone. And be honest, like we do in our activations during worship time. Holy Spirit, I don't know what this is. I don't know why I'm feeling unforgiveness. I don't know why I'm feeling fear. But I'm going to transparently and boldly come before your throne of grace in my time of need because I need mercy and I need help with this. And I don't want to be lived this way the rest of my life. But I want to come to you because you're perfect love, right? We'll get to that in a minute. So fear is all about me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I, 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 I. Scooch over because I need to be here. Scooch over because I need to do this. Scooch over because I, I, I. If you're talking a lot about I, that's an indication you're struggling with fear. Everything someone does in fear is all about them. It's all about us. Am I safe? Do I have what I want? Did this person make me happy? This person hurt me. This person lied to me. This person betrayed me. They did me wrong. They betrayed me. And even whilst a lot of that stuff is valid, right, because we live in a fallen world and it is messed up and we get hurt all the time, if we're still focused on us, it's an indication that we just need to come up a little bit higher in experiencing God's love for us so that we can better love other people, okay? And it's harder for those of us that have had rough lives, especially in our childhood, okay? So we come into the world innocent and kind of unscathed, but when we have some stuff, sometimes it takes a little longer 
to come out of our preconceived ideas of how we had to protect ourselves at a time in our lives when we were really vulnerable and nobody did their job to protect us. Okay? Fear makes us self-protect, causes us to be self-focused. It causes us to self-protect. Taking our protection on is the opposite of entrusting ourselves to the Father, right? I got to keep myself sa safe. I got to keep myself strong. I got to keep myself at a distance. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they really like me. I'm not sure if they really love me. I'm not sure what they really are safe, right? Self-defending. Let me explain it to you. Let me tell you why I was right based on what I thought, what I felt, what I knew, right? We do that. We self-defend. That's very normal in the beginning of our walk with the Lord, okay? Because we're in fear, because we haven't had much time to encounter the love of God. So we do, we defend ourselves because we don't understand how much he loves us just right where we're at, okay? And self-promote. I am amazing. <laughs> I can do this, I can do that, I can do that. Let me tell you how amazing I am because ultimately the fear of is operating in us and we don't understand that we actually are amazing whether we do anything of value or not, that God loves you just the way you are, right? So we self-promote. I love this verse. It says when in Luke 14, 7 through 10, it says, when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable, and this is Jesus speaking. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. And he's talking to his disciples. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. Everywhere you go in life, someone is always going to be better at something that you are. And it requires great humility, like Brent was talking about so beautifully earlier. I can't play the guitar. He plays it beautifully, right? He can't sing that high C note I sing, but I sing it beautifully, right? Everywhere you go, someone else in the body of Christ or in the world is going to be able to do things you can't do. And it requires love and humility to say, you know what? Because I want what God wants, because it's more about the kingdom than it is about me, I'm going to defer to you because you actually have the skill set, a better skill set than I do in this area right now. And I am going to trust him and entrust myself to him and love you and love him by saying, Daddy, that's uh, that Brent's obviously better. I'm not going to try and pluck the guitar <laughs> because I need to be the one-man show. Brent's like, Daddy, I'm going to let Stephanie sing that high C note because there's no way I'm going to get that even if I practice all month. Amen? And when everybody does their part that they're really good at, it's so beautiful. And you have a part. You have a part. You have a piece that no one can do as good as you can do. No one can do it as good as you can do. And he says, don't take the seat of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited you both of you, okay, and just imagine this being Father God, may say, give this person your seat, please. Then you'll be humiliated, and you will have to take the least important place. But if you're invited, take the lowest place. To go low, bend low, right? When in doubt, bend low. So that when your host comes, he'll be able to say to you, friend, come on up here. We need your skill. We need your gift. We need you. Poor Matt experienced that on Tuesday night not too long ago. We did. We needed him. And he filled in. He was very humble. He was very gracious. Jumped right in there for us and, and did a great job. Yeah, that's all right. Give him a hand. He says, but when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored. 
in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will have to be humbled be at some point. Okay? Because you will not always be top dog in everything. You just won't. And those who humble themselves, if you come in humbly, you come, you bend low, then people can say, hey, come on, we want you in, and you're always in a place to be honored. Does that make sense? Okay, isn't that beautiful? So fear is an indication that God is calling us up higher to higher into higher levels of experiences love. Okay, we know we're in fear when we're self-focused, when we're self-protecting, when we're self-defending, and when we're self-promoting. This is my favorite slide. Love, on the other hand, okay, I did the negative first so we could do the positive last. Love is others-focused, okay? Love protects others, it defends others, it serves others, and it provides and gives generously to others. So love protects others, just like a parent protects a child, okay? Or a good friend protects their closest friend and looks out for the best interest of others in their lives that they care about. When love is fully protected, actually, when it's fully perfected in us, not only do we look out for our friends and for others, but we actually look out for our enemies, too. We actually look out for people who betrayed us and who've hurt us, right? Not because it feels good to our flesh, but because we recognize that they're back operating in this place of fear and that they really may must not have encountered the love of God to the measure that they need to to come out of that yet. So having tasted and having seen, we long to help them come out of that place into the place of love. Amen? Love defends others. Sometimes a child will say to a parent, you're always defending my sister. You're always not listening to me. When I tell you about Cammy or when I tell you about Jane, you're always defending them. <laughs> well, that's my job as a parent because love always defends, right? So Love doesn't defend to make the individual that's bringing a negative thing about that other person to make them feel bad. Love defends to help broaden the perspective of the child, to be able to see and understand circumstances that are unknown to them about the other child. For example, let me think of a good example, Daddy. Okay, when the kids were young, Cammie and Jane used to fight over chores all the time. Well, Cammy didn't do this, and Cammy didn't do that, and Cammy didn't do this, and Cammy didn't do that. Okay, so I would have to say to Jaden, Jaden, Cammy did school, she did the dishes, she cleaned her room, she took care of the kitty litter, and she vacuumed for me. I need you to go and do what I asked you to do, to take out the trash, to mow the lawn, whatever it was, right? There are unseen foreseen circumstances that he wasn't aware of so he was judging his sister in his heart and feeling upset but the mom or the parent had to say sweetheart I love you you don't see you don't see the whole picture you don't see the whole picture there's way more going on than we can see in the lives of other people that, that we don't know and we have to trust w when we're talking with other people and when we're even talking with God that there's a lot more going on in their lives so when God as a perfect father or people in your life as good friends or good mother figures mothers sisters whatever and someone says to you hey have you considered this that's love that's actually love because love always defends love says wait have you considered this you know have you considered that they just lost their job so-and-so hasn't been tithing have you considered that they lost their job? 
so-and-so hasn't been to church in blah, 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 blah. Well, they did uh, just get out of the hospital, you know. So-and-so didn't show up to the event. Yeah, right, well, they were ministering to a friend of theirs, <laughs> right? So we have this limited view sometimes about what's going on in other individuals' lives, and the enemy will try to come in and as we're focused on ourselves and cause us to focus on ourselves and the fact that we missed them or we wanted them here or something was missed without them. But God is calling us up higher to look at the bigger picture of his kingdom and what he's asking them to do. Amen? So love protects others. Love defends others. Love always tries to help us get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the realities and the circumstances surrounding the other people. Because when we do that, it stirs up compassion in us, okay? Love serves others. Love is selfless. It sees a need, and it helps to meet it. Love doesn't walk by someone obliviously struggling and just let them figure it out on their own. The love of God moves us to compassion to lend a helping hand or to move in action. When we can slow down enough to notice the struggles of others, it's a really good indication that we've gotten our eyes off ourselves, Right? So if you're in situations now and you're noticing this, I need to help here maybe, or I could help here, or I could do this, or I could do that, or this person might need help, that's a really good indication you're growing in love. So you can pat yourself on the back and say, good job, me. Right? Just encourage yourself in the Lord. Sometimes people won't encourage you, but you can encourage yourself because you've grown, right? That's huge. Right? When our compassion is being stirred up, it's a sign we're growing in love. When we start to care about others, it's a sign we're growing in love. And love gives generously, okay? Maybe it's your last bag of rice, but somebody's completely without food. Love isn't greedy. It cares for others and wants to see people reach their fullest potential. And because love is inexhaustible, because love owns the cattle on a thousand hills, because love is a person, we never have to worry when we give our last thing away that God won't multiply back to us seven times what we were willing to give. There's never been a single time he says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their children begging bread. Why? Because the righteous are always generous. They're always generous. You would not even, I can't even tell you how many times we've emptied our pantry, had no money in the bank, and somebody will give us a gift card to Meyer or to a gas station or whatever it was that we needed. In that moment, even when the kids were really little, we hardly had any cash. Someone would come to me at church at the children's counter and drop me 50 bucks. God told me to give you this. I'd start bawling because we were obeying in faith. We didn't have enough money for diapers or for formula or whatever, but I knew that I knew. knew. God said, bless this person. And every time I obeyed, God showed him faithful because you cannot outgive God. And think of it from the perspective of a perfect father with their child, their daughter or their son. If you had a son or you had a daughter, right, and they're being really kind and generous and loving, and they give their Let's say, imagine a couple five-year-old children, okay? And the one five-year-old sees another five-year-old that really wants a sucker and the kid's crying and your child just got one. And it's not open yet. And they go, you know what? Here, I want you to have this, right? And your child comes back home. And you're like, well, honey, where's your sucker? I, I gave you money for a sucker. Well, this other kid was really sad, Mom. This other kid was really sad, Dad. I gave her my sucker because he or she was crying, and it just touched my heart. 
honey, you're going to buy that kid ice cream, donuts, a sucker, make a cake. You're going to bake a donuts and cookies. You're going to be so proud. So proud. That's how Father God feels about us when we do stuff like that. He's the perfect father, and we're just good, right? We're just made in his image. But that's how daddy feels about you. So imagine if we as earthly parents feel that way, even as aunts or uncles, how he feels about you when you do that. He's so proud of you. And I feel like that's a word for some of you right now. Like you've been looking maybe, like, what do I do right? What do I do right? And like, that's a word for somebody. God says you are generous. You love generously. You give generously of yourself. And I just hear, well done. I just hear, well done. I don't know who that's for, but I hear, well done, son. Well done, daughter. I love, uh, the only time I ever heard the audible voice of God was this verse. I used to, I'm going to confess here, I used to lock my kids out of the bedroom and put videos on while I prayed in my prayer closet. And they would take pieces of paper and slide it up and down the door trying to get my attention. And I would turn up the music like, Jesus, please, I just want 15, 20 minutes. And they'd stick their little fingers under there trying to make sure I'm alive, you know. And I'm like, sha-da-da-da-da-da. Anyone who's never been a home mom, you get to a point where you need adult conversation. And Jesus was the only adult in the room. So I would just lock them out and have my moment. So uh, the only time I ever heard the audible voice of God, it was this one, okay? And I don't know if this is true with your culture, but with my culture and most cultures, worldly cultures, we can be pretty judgmental, right? You're in or you're out. You do it our way or you don't, right? There's a way to do things, and if you don't do it, there's a real problem, and everybody in the clan kind of knows. Eh, eh, so-and-so, <laughs> right? Anybody been there, right? Everybody have that kind of in their family, in their culture, right? We all got it in different ways, different ways that that kind of manifests. But Jesus said this, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. In other words, the, the love in the Trinity is perfect. But one of the Godheads right now is telling us why they love each other so much. Why Father God loves him. The reason my father loves me is because I laid down my life. Only to take it up again. Anytime we lay our life down, just like in that example with being generous and giving something away, anytime we lay our life down for the Lord, it is only going to result in receiving. You can never outgive God, in other words. Jesus died took on the payment of our sin, but he was raised three days later. We tithe, we give a portion of our funds to the Lord, but all everything under my roof and in my home and I put my hand to is protected. I don't have problems like my friends have problems. I've given cars away to people that don't tithe. It worked beautifully for me for 13 years. As soon as they get it, that sucker falls apart. I kid you not. Starts having problems. They're driving it down the road. I don't know. I had to take it to the guy. And I was like, oh, you don't tithe, do you? Individual's like, no, no, I don't tithe. I said, well, I don't know what to tell you. God ain't protecting your stuff. He says, no one takes my life from me. In other words, I'm not a victim. No one takes my life from me. No one does something to me 
because I love them. So if I get in a confrontation with someone, like we talked about when we went downtown, I'm going to choose to love them. They didn't take that from me. I freely gave it. Let's have, we're going to have this conversation. You didn't take from me my opportunity to drive straight down the road. I laid it down. Rolled down my window, and I took my life back up again. I spread a little love in the air. That fear had to run. And then God got a testimony out of it. Three people got saved and baptized. I'm not saying that's all because of us, but I know I had a part in that. Out of obeying one simple act of obedience. We always take it back up. And I'll take that any day over being able to drive straight down Ottawa's road. To be able to stand before the Lord and say, I, I had a peace in those three individuals experiencing and tasting the love of God. To be able to sit there when they walk through the pearly gates and be like, yep, I remember you. Stick spinner. Yes, you made it, bro. It's so good to see you. You know what I mean? Eternal destinies at stake every day. I have authority to lay it down. Turn your neighbor and say, I have authority. Okay. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. Okay. You have authority to say no. You have authority to say yes. But with authority comes responsibility. So when you say no and when you say yes, there will always be either a blessing or a consequence. And you are also responsible for that. So own it. Okay? And it's okay. We all make mistakes. It's okay. Sometimes we're like, no. <laughs> I'm not doing that. And then you find out a week later, you're like, oh, sorry, Lord. <laughs> Guess that was you. My bad. Right? Then humble yourself. Go back. Make it right. And sometimes we say, yes, this has got to be God. Right? We're like, oh, that was not the Lord. <laughs> that was definitely not the Lord. It looked all good and shiny on the outside, but it was not him. Right? And then you got to be, i got to be more careful. Holy Spirit, how do I handle that in the future? What are the questions you want me to ask before I say yes? Right? Because we do have authority to lay it down, and we have authority to take it up again. This command, and I think that's interesting that Jesus said that here, this command I have received from my Father. It's a command to walk in our authority, to lay down our life, and to take it up. And there is a time to lay it down. And if, if you're in a situation, you ever been in a situation where he'll say, lay it down, 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 lay it down. And he says, okay, baby, it's time to pick it up. And you're like, who shantadada? Right? You said, yes, humble myself. Yes, humble myself. I think I'm going to die. I humble myself again. Oh, dear Jesus, I'm finally dead. I'm good now. Humble myself. No big deal. It doesn't bother me anymore. And he says, okay, it's time to pick it up shift. He opens a door. He puts his favor around you, and all of a sudden you're standing there going, how did I get here? And the favor of the Lord's around you like a shield. You have no idea how you got where you got, how you're having the conversation and rolling with the people you're rolling with. You're doing what he called you to do. Next thing you know, you're stepping into your destiny because you were willing to lay it down, lay it down, lay it down, lay it down. And then in a moment's notice, he says, pick it up. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Mm -mm -mm. He said, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. 
Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, and the man runs away because he's a hired hand. He really doesn't care anything for the sheep. And I don't know why I just hear a warning, like, be careful, people that, like, kind of like, whatever. You know what I mean? Who are the people that are chasing, making sure you're all right? He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And he said, I lay my life down for the sheep. Later on in the scriptures, it says, greater love has no man than this, that he lay his life down for a friend. When you're willing to lay your life down for someone else, it's a, the highest form of love. It's beautiful. It, I believe it brings God great pleasure because it is his command. And it's the very reason he loves Jesus, and it's the very reason he loves you. And every time you do it, he just says, oh, I love it. Well done, baby. Well done. Well done. So growing in love is a process. Amen? Say, it's okay to be in process. Yes, it is. It's okay. Step one, we admit that it's a journey. Amen. This is a process. It's a journey. And I'm going to go from faith to faith and glory to glory. This isn't, I get saved and all of a sudden, you know, sha-da-da-da, boom. I'm a whole new person. I think a whole new way. I live my life a whole new, different thing. It does not happen that way. It's Sanctification is a process. Step two, you got to give yourself a break. Say, self, relax. Take a break. You're going to be okay. Yes, you are. And step three, enjoy the fellowship on the way to where he's taking you, okay? Enjoy the fellowship with Father God, Jesus, the Son of God, and Holy Spirit, who is fully God that is in you. Enjoy the fellowship, but also with those around you that are imperfect, right? Sometimes we're tempted to get irritated with people around us in the body that are imperfect, but I'll tell you something. Jesus is the head of his body, the corporate body of Christ, the believers are the body of Christ. So when you're frustrated with another believer, you're actually frustrated with Jesus. They are literally his body. Okay, so if you want to honor him, honor them. You want to love him, love them. Okay, enjoy the fellowship on the, where to, on the way to where he's taking you. We're all in process, and it's okay. It's okay. All right. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. The context of that verse, well, I'll tell you that in a minute. Let's do this. This is where we all start. Heads spinning, touched by his perfect love, longing for more of him, desiring for more of him, wanting to commune with him, wanting to kind of do whatever God says. It's like we get a taste and we see that he is so good and then we immediately shift into wanting to please God. This very, very normal part of the process. Daddy says, be still, be still, be still, and know that I am God. What does that mean? How do I do that? How do I please you? How do I serve you, Lord? Help me, help me, help me. Right? Does that sound like we're being still? But has everybody been there, or is it just me? Yeah, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. I know, I've been there, right? I've been there. Because we do that because out of that innocent place of love, we want to respond and we want to do well, and that's very healthy and very good and very normal, and that's what actually propels us into that place of maturity. It's beautiful. It all works together. Okay? So be still and know that I am God. The first 
part there. Know that I am God. We have to know God and see God in order to encounter his love so that we can love others well. We have to see the love in the Trinity. The, the love in the Trinity is perfect. They're perfectly submitted one to another. Father says to do something, Jesus does it without question. Holy Spirit is always submitted to Jesus and even really many times to us, right? Because we're made in the image of God. He lives on the inside of us. He, he oftentimes, I've heard it said, we'll sit down in a service if the sons of God don't give, make room for him. How sad is that? God did not, God is love. He did not have to create mankind. He chose to. He wanted to. His love compelled him to create you. In the Trinity, the love between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is perfect. They're perfectly honoring. They're perfectly submitted and willing to serve one another. They are sovereign and able to do anything, but because they are perfect love, they choose to give, they choose to create, and they choose to share their love with us and with each other. God's love for you is perfect. You have to see the love in the Trinity. You have to see that his love for you is perfect. He will never, ever have anything other than perfect love for you because God is love. That's who he is. So no matter what you do, no matter how bad you miss it, whether you fulfill your destiny or you don't fulfill your destiny, God still loves you perfectly, wholly, wholeheartedly. You are loved. We have to know and understand the idea that God's love is inexhaustible. His love is inexhaustible. You can never wear him out. He has an endless supply of patience for you, of grace for you, of favor and love towards you. Now, he does discipline those he loves. Amen? Anybody gotten a good Holy Spirit spanking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that means you're, you're not a little legitimate child. <laughs> Welcome to the family. <laughs> right, right. But his discipline is always done in love, and it's for our benefit, the benefit of his children, to bring them into wholeness, to bring them into truth, to bring them into blessing, to bring us into blessing. He never disciplines us just for the sake of punishing us because remember, like we read earlier, love doesn't punish. It never punishes. Anytime something comes that feels or seems hard from God, it's to bring us into more of his blessing, more of his goodness, more of the things that he destined you for that will cause you to enjoy your life. God's love is eternal. He sees how you are going to be when you put on the imperishable. Think about that for a second. In a billion years from now, he knows how mature you're going to be and how you're going to be exploring his inexhaustible love and learning more about him. Imagine that. What, could we lo- what are we going to look like if we're loving now even a little bit? How loving are we going to be in a billion years? What will our lives look like now? And he loves you the same now as he will then. He sees that you. He sees that future you. He knows that future you because God is outside of time. He could show you that you if you ask him to. That blows my mind. 
His timeline is so different than ours. Sometimes we're like, God, when, God, when, how, God, how, when, God, when. And he's like, oh, baby, this little life, this breath I gave you is but a blip in the timeline of eternity that we have destined to journey together. And I have so much more planned for you than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. You have no idea the plans I have for you. This is just a small little sliver, just a piece. We have great, great, great adventures ahead of us. We must know how he sees us. We mu- you must know how he sees you in Jesus, right? So when God looks at you, when God looks at me, because of Jesus' perfect love, his sacrifice on the cross, the fact that he rose on the third day and he's seated at the right hand of heaven, the price for our sin was paid. He literally redeemed us, paid our sin bill, if you will. He sees Jesus' righteousness every time he looks at us, every time he looks at you. Not our mistakes, not our mess, not our failings, not our struggles. He looks at you and he sees righteousness, holiness, and redemption. That's why you can say, I am righteous. You are. It was paid for. It was a gift. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So, so good. So we have to know God and see God. That's the first step. In order to be still and know that he is God, we have to know God and see God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is one of my favorite verses. It's a friend of mine's life verse. And it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding or rely not on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him. And he will make your path straight. What does that mean? I was thinking of Isaiah 35. It talks about the highway of holiness. I asked the Lord one time, where are you taking me in the midst of my youthful Christianity? Where are you taking me, Lord? Like, this is taking forever. I don't understand. This is so painful. I'm doing everything you're asking me to do. I want to fulfill the fullness of the destiny you have in my life. Right? I was crying out to him. And he took me to Isaiah 35, and it says, there is a way. There's a highway of holiness. No beast can travel thereupon, but the sons of righteousness will walk therein. That's where he was taking me, was the way of holiness. He said, honey, I'm making you holy. I'm making you look like me. I'm making you look like us. We must know him to love him and experience his love. Because if we don't know him, we'll never experience it. Love of God first comes to us, then it comes through us. Let him love you. He is safe. He will direct your path. Let the Lord lead you in the ways of everlasting. He made you and he created you, and he knows what you were created to do. It's sort of like a car manufacturer. The car manufacturing company makes a manufacturing book because it knows what the car can and cannot do. God made you. He knows what what he made you to do and what he did not make you to do, and he knows what's going to make you or break you. And when we trust in the Lord with all our heart and we lean not on our own understanding, he directs our paths in that way that we're made to function, and he helps us find that sweet spot in life where we're on the highway of holiness, but we're functioning the way he created us to function in that season where he's getting the highest glory and we're having the highest praise and the greatest level of enjoyment possible. Does that resonate with you? Amen. 
and I had to laugh. Uh, I heard this song too. Love hurts. Okay, love. Uh, I don't know the lyrics, right? And then, uh, yes, yes, I heard that while I was doing this, and I had to laugh. I had to laugh. Just one second, darling. And then the other one was hurt so good. Come on, baby, make it hurt so good. Sometimes love don't feel like it should. Come, baby, mm, cha-cha, hurt so good. And love hurts sometimes, right? In the shack, they say love always leaves a mark. Love always leaves a mark because it means you're living sacrificially and so generously that you actually have to deal with the shortcomings of another individual and take that willingly on so that they can become all they were created to be. And when we look most like God, when we lay our lives down and we're willing to take on the hurt so that another can come more fully into him. It's the, it's the purest form of multiplication, if you will, Christ in us, the hope of glory. That love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through Christ Jesus, our Lord. We encounter his love. We behold his love. We experience his love. And he says, I want you to go back and love your brethren. Love your sister, which, by the way, is Christ's body. So when you're loving them, you're loving me. And when you're not, you're not loving me. Isn't that good? Yeah, so I kind of giggled about that song. So you'll notice a pattern here. Check this out. So at first it was, be still and know that I am God. And then it's, be still and know that I am. God told Moses to tell the Israelites when they were stuck in Egypt, tell them I am that I am. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine standing there, shoes off, a bush burning, it don't make no sense, and you ask God, what name do I tell them that you're called? And God simply says to you, tell them I am that I am. What? I don't get it, but okay, I'm going to do what you said to do, right? Right? You had one of those moments? Let me make sure I'm on the right page here. We have to know that the I am is I am. We have to know I am is a person. I am is literally anything and everything we need in every single situation. Amen? I am is in control. He says in Luke, 12, 22 through 26, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, or what you will wear. Life is way more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. He said they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't do nothing. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? And some of you need to know that. I needed to know that. I needed to know that. My daddy was not around. My daddy was not around. My mama had to work. I, I didn't understand my value. A lot of voices out there telling me who I wasn't. I needed to know I was valuable. And he says, how much more valuable are you than the birds? And I thought, well, maybe a little bit more. He's like, no, daughter. You are made in my image. You are the most valuable thing I ever created daughter of God, son of God. 
We are God's most prized possession, humankind. That's a word for someone in the room. He said, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? It's an invitation to rest, just to be still. Just to be still. We have to know that I am is good. I am as a person and I am is good. I am is God's name. And I love the name I am because when I'm in a crisis or when I need something, I just remember he says, I am. I am the rest that you need, Stephanie. I am the strength that you need, Stephanie. I am the provision that you need, Stephanie. I am the bravery that you need. I am the peace that you need. I am the healing that you need. I am the blessing that you need. I am the supernatural power that you need. I am the healing that you need. I am that I am. I am. And sometimes the world tells us, look here, go there, go to this conference, do that. Ask this person to pray for you. Call this person. Read the word. Maybe if I study more, maybe if I fast more, maybe if I journal more. And daddy's saying, I am. I am that I am. I'm right here. I am. I am. I am. I am. And he wants us to know that I am good. I am is good. First Chronicles 16.34 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And guess what? This is the best part of the story. His love endures forever. It endures forever. The word endure means to it puts up with us forever. He's never going to get irritated and tired of putting up with you while you figure this out. Come on, is anybody else happy about that besides me? Am I the only one that stumbles and messes up and goes, Lord, I don't know why you don't get tired of me. But I am really thankful that he doesn't because he's so good. His love endures me in my process forever. If it takes all of eternity, he's like, no problem, baby. We got, we got time is all we got. We got lots of time. Shoot, I make time. <laughs> Come on. I am as able to do it. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine, according to his power at work within us, he is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. I am is listening. Sometimes we think God is not listening to us, and he's always, always, always listening. He can hear a bazillion, billion, trillion, quad, I don't know, whatever, zillion conversations at one time and intently be focused on you and not missing a single word you say and answering all of those prayers at the same time. That is how amazing he is. And the thing that you're asking him for, the prayer that you're requesting of him, the petition that's going up to him, he can do immeasurably more than you're even asking. So ask big. Ask big. He's able. And he's listening. It says in 1 Peter 3, 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I'm just saying. (laughs) And I think sometimes we think the face of the Lord is against those who do evil because he hates the people, but he doesn't. He's love. He can never not be love. I think he hates the fruit of evil, and the havoc that it causes in the lives of that individual and in the lives of other people on earth. 
First John 5.15 says, and we know, we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have that which we've asked him. Because we know he's listening, because we know I am is listening and he hears us, we know that we have that which we've asked of him. And we know that the I am is watching and waiting for us, okay? I'm just thinking of the prodigal story. You remember how the father stood at the gate? Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. He spent his inheritance. He took his money. He went out. He ate the pig slot, remember? And he came back. And where was the father? Remember, he was at the city gate. And he was watching and he was waiting. Now, he'll never go outside the kingdom, right, outside of who he is. He'll never compromise his character. But he watches and he waits and he calls. Then we move on and we say, be still and know. We said, be still and know that I am God. We talked about seeing and knowing God for who he is. We said, be still and know that I am. We just talked about I am, and now it's be still and know. To know in the Greek is the word konosko. It means that to know that you know that you know that you know. I know that I know that I know that I know that I have got five toes on this foot and five toes on that foot and nobody's going to convince me different because I've been walking with these toesies all my life it's something I know that I know that I know I don't have to question and ask myself about it every day because I walk like this all the time I know that I know that I know that I know I am a woman for various reasons but no one's going to be able to convince me otherwise I know what I know about me right be still and know. We, God is calling us to a place in, in, in the original language there, konosko, where we can know and distinguish. The, the root word there is yada, okay? We talked about this before in the Hebrew, where Adam and Eve knew each other. It means to have an ability to be able to discern, to distinguish. Be still and know. To be still and be able to discern. Be still and be able to distinguish. If you're not still, if that fear is going around, you're not being still. You have to be still to be able to discern. You have to be still to be able to distinguish. You have to be still to be able to have the ability and the power. It means to acknowledge it, to be aware of it, to become known. You have to be still to become known. You have to be still to be aware. You have to be still to be able to acknowledge it. It means chosen, to cohabit, to gain or to find. You have to be still to be able to be chosen. You have to be still to be able to cohabit. You have to be still to be able to gain. You have to be still to be able to find it. It means to have intimate relationships in a way that brings something to birth. You have to be still to give birth to something in the spirit. We have to be still long enough to receive the plan and the strategies of the Lord, the blueprint of what that looks like. We have to be still long enough to learn and understand the timing and hear God in regards to the timing of when he wants us to do what and what he wants us to do at what time so we can keep in step with him. Amen? It means to learn or to make literate, to be well aware of. We have to be still to become literate in the things of God. That's a good word. Thank you, Lord. Okay. So we move from be still and know to be still. Harpu is the original word. 
It means cease striving. You feel the shift in the room with that revelation? You feel that? Y'all are nodding off. That's all right. That's good. You're being still. You feel that shift in the room, the peace, the shalom? To cease striving, it means to sink down or relax. Just relax. Just relax, man. It means to let it drop in, right? We're not reaching, grabbing, trying to find everything. We just relax and let it drop into our spirits. He's going to show us. He wants to give us the revelation because he's good. It means to actually let go and let God, let go of control, let go of your ideas, let go of whatever, anything at all. Trusting and knowing that when we relax, when we let go, when we sit down, when we withdraw and refrain from trying and striving, and we let it alone, that God is good and he will speak something to us that he wants us to bring. Amen? And then finally, be. Just be. This idea of being in your identity as a daughter or as a son of God. Just be. Accepting the reality that you are a daughter of God. You are a son of God. Just be. Exist in that reality alone. It has been bestowed upon you as a gift, and you need only to humbly receive it and enjoy it and revel in the unimaginable joy of being perfectly loved every single day of your life. This is the best news of the day. Therefore, since you have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You stand before the king. We don't grovel. We aren't afraid. We aren't beggars. We're standing in the righteousness that was given to us, that was bestowed upon us. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God and being like him and walking in love and seeing that multiplied out in our lives so that we can participate. Listen to why. Why? Not only so, but we can also glory in our sufferings. Why? How can we do that? Really, Lord, I don't want to glory in the sufferings. How do we do that? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. We say this all the time. Perseverance produces character. Character of who? Character of God in us. That's right. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through Christ Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, excuse me, through the Holy Spirit who has, past tense, been given to us. Past tense been given to us. Holy Spirit highlighted this word poured out, ekkeo, in the Greek, ekkeo. Poured forth, it means, or poured out. It means to have something bestowed upon you, to be, have something shed upon you, or to be bestowed upon you liberally. And I kept seeing in my mind's eye, if you've seen Narnia, when the four 
siblings stand up in front and uh, Aslan is on the stage with them and he's got the four thrones and he gives them a crown. He hands them a crown and they bend over and they bestow upon them the crown in Narnia. You remember that scene? So beautiful. Prince Peter, Prince Edward, Princess, I can't remember the girl's names. What's her face? Yeah. <laughs> right? Princess so-and-so. Josephine, I think, might be one of them. But he bestowed that crown of glory, right? And, and the love of God, the very thing God himself, because God is love, has been poured out into your heart, into my heart. God himself has been poured out into your heart. I mean, just, it's blowing my mind today. Daddy lives in me, like all the fullness of him, not a piece. Now he manifests to the measure that I make room for him to come through my soul, right? And my flesh doesn't get in the way, my thoughts don't get in the way, my emotions don't get in the way. But I have access to all the fullness of God. So do you. So do you. So it goes back to this. Just be. Everything you need to be loved and to love others is already on the inside of you the moment you ask Jesus Christ to save you and to be the Lord and Savior of your life. And it's working its way out, and it's a process, and it's okay to be in process. You can celebrate and enjoy the journey. The greatest levels of liberty and freedom are those moments when we're n we haven't fully arrived and yet we still feel fully accepted, absolutely significant, and completely safe and secure. He calls us children of God for a reason, because we're supposed to be childlike, right? And it's okay to be a kid in the kingdom. In fact, it's absolutely glorious. I think it blesses Father God's heart when we just say, hey, Daddy. And I know those of us that were there yesterday, we were just being kids. We had so much fun. Running with the Lord is a blast. It's an absolute blast. He says, in my presence is fullness of joy. So the more we meditate on this reality of just being and being one with him and that reality of the fact that the love of God literally has been poured out in our hearts. That Holy Spirit has been bestowed upon us. We become the fearless church infiltrating a fearful world. And we can skydive in the midst of any situation. We can face any giant. We know that we're victorious against any foe that would come against us. And we're equal to it. Not because of us and who we are. Not because of the fact that we strive. Not because we did anything special. But because we know how to be and we recognize the reality that literally the King of kings and the Lord of lords dwells on the inside of us. And we need only come before his throne and ask a simple question. Daddy, 
what would you like me to do about this? Because I am your daughter, your son. I am your ambassador. I am the one that you chose to set in this timeline, in this moment, and you brought me here. What is the straight way? How can I glorify you in this moment? And I don't know if you all have seen the Chosen series, but you got to go back and watch them. It's beautiful. When Jesus is in the house and the friends let the individual down to get prayer through the roof. You remember that at Peter's house? Yeah? I love the way the director depicted Jesus in that moment because I always kind of pictured Jesus being snide when he talked to the Pharisees, right? Because he reads their thoughts in that moment. They're kind of judging him. But the love on his face when he looked at them, his heart was to actually draw them in. And there's going to be times and seasons and boardrooms and classrooms and stores and businesses and homes and conversations that the Lord puts us in the middle of. And he just wants us to allow to be and allow him to be through us so that those individuals can encounter the perfect love of God and taste and see that the Lord is good and then call upon his name and be saved. You all are amazing. You are a fearless church called to infiltrate and bless and redeem and set free a fearful world. And as you encounter that perfect love of God and you just receive it and learn to just be, he's going to flow through you and you're going to be setting people free. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That's all I have today, you guys. Um, We talk about this every week. Activation is the process of making something active or operative. We do not want you to come and just get information. If it stays in your head and it doesn't shift from your head to your heart or infiltrate your soul or change who you are in some way, shape, or form, we've missed it and you haven't been received the fullness of the blessing of what God has for you today, okay? Revelation brings responsibility. Once you know something to be true, act on it for your own sake, really and for the sake of those in your life. Spiritual gifts can be caught, taught, and activated by faith. You caught some things as we were speaking today. You were activated in some things during worship. You're going about to be activated right now. You were taught some things as I was preaching, right? And revelation can come through all five senses, but interpretation is the key. So we're going to do an activation process here, and I want to say this. Do not assume anything. Just ask God what he what he wants you to do and what he wants you to do with it, okay? What is this and what do you want me to do with it? And this is what I want you to ask him. Father, would you please show me an area in my life where you want to love me? Would you please show me an area in my life where you want to love me? And the Holy Spirit show you that place. Some of you are going to be surprised. Maybe an area where you're totally missing it. And he says, baby, I love you right there. I see you. You know I'm with you when that's going on. 
I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. Yes, I love you. Father, show me. Show me. The truth. What is the lie I'm believing in this area? Why am I stuck? Where did this come from? When does this start? For some of you, you may need to forgive someone that really hurt you. Maybe you're in that place where you're doing the self-protecting or the self-defending, the self-promoting because someone really wounded you. Most times when we're not functioning in love and we're functioning in fear, it's because we've been hurt by someone that we trusted or should have been able to trust. Men and women are infallible. They're all just broken brothers and sisters trying to make their way through life. And I just feel like Holy Spirit saying, can you forgive them? Can you trust me that I will work all things together for your good? Even that, yes, even that, he says, that thing you're talking to me about right now, I can even work that for good. How, how, how can this be good? Because I am good, because I am able, because I am love. You are looking at the world in a way that is but a sliver of time. And I am looking at it in the context of all eternity. And you are with me. And I am always with you, and I am always there. I am ever present. No one is ever out of my sight. I am what you need. I am Lord over this. I am working this out for your good. I am willing, he says. And I am able. Will you give it to me? I just see him standing there like a father asking a child to trade something dangerous like a sharp knife for a beautiful gift that they want. Whatever that thing is, I want you to imagine it now in your mind's eye that you're handing it to the Lord. You're handing it to Father God. You're giving it or him or her to him. And watch and see right now what he gives you in return. And for some of you, if you're giving a person over, someone who's harmed you, I want you to ask Father God to show you what they look like, to show you how he sees them, to show you what it is you need to see about their life that you're not clearly seeing right now that will give you the ability to have compassion. And he's got a divine exchange for you today. A divine exchange. And as you hand that thing to him, now you have the room, you have the space, you have the ability to receive more of who he is. What is he giving you right right now.
and what you're seeing and what you're experiencing in the spirit is literal. It is in seed form, but it is literal, and you can expect it difference in your life in the way you think, in the way you process, in the way you relate to others as a result of what Holy Spirit is doing in you. Right now, you will never be the same. Because every time you behold the Lord's face, every time you behold him, every time you behold him with an unveiled face and you pull back the veil and you say, this is where I'm really at. Look at me, see me. I'm being vulnerable, Abba. Every time you do that, you are transformed into a greater measure of his glory. And that thing we talked about earlier about being You're able to be one with him in greater measure. And you will never be the same after today. You will never be the same. Go ahead and stay in that place. Sometimes we don't linger long enough. Especially when it's deep work that he wants to do. Be sure to receive whatever he's giving you before you leave this room. May you be sent in power. May you be sent in love. May you be sent in wholeness. May you be sent in joy. Joy. Joy, joy, joy in Jesus' name. It is rightfully yours. As a son, as a daughter of God, the joy of the Lord is rightfully yours. Every single day, all day long, every moment, regardless of circumstances, the joy of the Lord is yours. You have much to celebrate, son of God, daughter of God. The joy of the Lord is yours. He will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in him. Shalom, shalom is the word, shalom. It it, it means wholeness, completely whole, completely fitted together, completely equipped and ready for any circumstance, full of joy, full of peace, still, still able to be 
able to be still. Not because you do or don't have this circumstance or that circumstance, but because you're eternally and forever inequivocably named as a son and daughter of God and forever one with him. And you always, forever, in every circumstance, any time you need him, have access to ask for whatsoever. And none of the answered prayers rely on your abilities. Everything we receive from him relies on him and his character and his qualities and his supernatural power and his love and his goodness. All of it comes from him. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to try to earn it. It's already been bestowed upon us. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I don't know if you feel that. Yeah, yeah, there's a joy. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, yes, thank you, Lord. There it is. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Joy, 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 joy. Some of us are like, Lord, I don't feel strong enough to do this. Joy, 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 joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy, 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 joy. <laughs> I needed this word today, yeah. Sometimes when we feel tired, we just need to rest in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. He is happy with you. He is not upset. He is not angry. He is not disappointed. He is not frustrated. He is full of joy. He's proud of you. Some of you need to hear that. Daddy is proud of you. He is proud of you. He's come so far. You've come through so much. You've stood. You've decreed. You've declared. You've loved. You've forgiven. You've believed. You've been patient. You've trusted. You've been vulnerable. You've been brave. You've been generous. You've been forgiving. Joy, 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 joy. Every time I sing that, I feel like there's an impartation going on. If you want to receive that, just turn your palms up and receive that in a position of rest. Joy, 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 joy. Thank you, Joy, 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 joy. It's okay to be happy. 
Sometimes we need to hear that it's okay to be happy. Joy, 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 joy. It's okay to be happy. Joy, 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 joy. They're happy. I don't know why I'm just hearing they're happy. Joy, 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 joy. It's okay to be happy. Joy, 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 the joy of the Lord is your strength. It is your strength. Joy, 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 joy. Joy, 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 joy yes, feel the strength rising up in you now. You're gonna make it. You're gonna be just fine you're gonna be Speed. 
It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> It's okay, joy, 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 joy. <laughs> oh, Daddy, you're so good. Feel the strength of Christ now in your Let him be awakened. Just for me, I set you aside just for me. I'm seeing an open field of grass, and it's like Jesus is standing in the grass, and he's reaching out his hand to you and saying, come on, love. Come on, let's go play. Let's go. Are you willing to go on this journey with me? Are you willing to take this path? I'm not saying it will be easy, but it will be glorious and it will be good. And I will be with you every step of the way. And it will be the greatest adventure of your life. And you can trust me. You can trust me. I will never let anything happen to you that will not be for your own good. You can trust me. I am good. I am your God. I am your Father. I am love. And you are mine. You are my beloved. Just be. Just be loved. Enjoy 
my presence. Let me lavish my love upon you. Let me love those places in you that were not loved. Let me make you whole in those places where you know something's missing. Let me heal those places where the winds and the storms of life have ravaged you. Let me bless you. Let me be who I am. I am good and I am love and I long to love you. Joy, 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 joy. He's not letting that go. If you need to be released, that's okay. I'm just going to keep releasing the sound that he told me. Joy, 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 joy. I see this going across the whole city and the state and even across the nation. It's almost like there's... Michigan looks like a hand on the map, and then like right in the center where um, it's like a light <laughs> coming out of it, kind of like Iron Man, you know. <laughs> joy, 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 joy. Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the sound that has been released. We ask that we be carriers of your joy today, this week, this month, this year, in Jesus' name, and that you would ignite a wildfire of your joy spreading across the city, across the state, and across the nation, yes. Joy, 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 joy. And across the nations of the world. That people's hearts would be strengthened by your joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy, 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 joy. God loves you and we love you. Be sent in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the love of God and the wisdom and the understanding and revelation of the reality that you are a son, that you are a daughter, and you are loved perfectly, inexhaustibly, and eternally. And that that very love dwells on the inside of you and you have everything you need for life and godliness. Go be victorious today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah 
www.thepeakpod.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.